The Holy Gospel is taken from the 28th chapter of St. Matthew. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they came, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Today is the Holy Trinity Sunday where all three persons or all three different ways that God has revealed God's self to us, to humanity, is celebrated. Creator, Redeemer as Jesus, and the Sanctifier, the Holy Spirit that dwells within and with us. The bulletin cover this morning illustrates, a, I think, a central instructive concept about the Trinity, that all three are eternally in relationship with one another. Now, this divine example of the mutuality of God's love demonstrates the foundation from which our lives of faithful discipleship grow, and by the power of the Holy Spirit within us, that faith flourishes. Our gospel reading and the first reading today are two of the few passages that name all three persons of the Godhead. The gospel reading, many of you recognize as the great, including the Great Commission, Jesus' final instructions to believers before he ascended to his Father in heaven. Now, it's interesting that Matthew doesn't tell us exactly how long it's been since the resurrection when this event transpires. A few days, a few weeks, we don't know. But the horrid images of the brutal crucifixion of our Lord must have been seared into their hearts and their minds. Their astonishment with the overwhelming, unbelievable miracle of Jesus' resurrection from the dead probably still had their heads spinning with trying to grasp that. And so we join Jesus and those first believers, the 11 disciples that were left, and likely more, including women, there at that rendezvous spot in Galilee. Naturally, it's on a mountain. I mean, throughout the Bible, God encounters people or reveals something of importance to people on mountains. Think Ten Commandments, Mount Sinai, the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus' identity radiated through his being, the Sermon on the Mount, or even that hill in the city garbage dump 
we sometimes call Mount Calvary, where Jesus was crucified. So, on a mountain, we are already attentive for another divine encounter or important teaching from our Lord. And we're not disappointed, for on this mountaintop, the master teacher, Jesus, rallies his followers one final time before physically departing from them. Mindful of where we are in our journey together through this interim wilderness and beginning to look more and more to the future, asking questions about the ministry now and the mission in the future, wondering who God might lead us to call as next senior pastor and wondering what we'll be doing together, I could picture us standing there on the mountain among those followers of Jesus, some believing, some doubting maybe, awaiting instructions from Christ. I grew up in a family of five kids, and we all played ball. One summer, Mom had five different leagues to get to. And I had kids that played as well. So this scene kind of reminded me of a coach's pep talk, if you will, which might be something we could use these days. I, I know I need it some days for sure. So follow me here. Think about memorable or inspiring pep talks in history or movies. Winston Churchill rallying the British in World War II as London was being bombed. Never, ever give up. And he walked out. Or the pregame locker room speech by the coach, played by Gene Hackman in Hoosiers, telling them they could win. That was their game. Or the 1980 hockey team, the movie Miracle on Ice, Kurt Russell playing the coach, giving pep talk before the game against the Soviet Union that they won, of course. But I think one of the most well-known movie pep talks or inspiring talks was one of the shortest, and it wasn't even delivered by a coach. Luke Skywalker in The Empire Strikes Back has crashed his X-wing fighter in the swamp on Dagobah. Yoda, Yoda is tutoring him about developing and controlling the force. And Luke's gotten frustrated, and it grows because he can't control, use the force. So Yoda encourages him, do or do not. There is no try. Do or do not. There is no try. Now let's quickly unpack this pep talk that Jesus gives believers, which isn't much longer than that one and is eminently more powerful and important for us these days. First, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Faith in Jesus is what brought them to that rendezvous point, although not all of them were certain yet about Jesus' identity. Yet they came. I find this detail incredibly affirming and important because I also have days and times when doubts creep in while I'm diligently trying to 
discern God's voice from all the other voices around me in the world or in my heart, voices that demand my attention, voices that clamor for my energy, just cluttering up my heart and my mind, bringing doubt. And then Jesus continues. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Just in case those that doubt wonder, Jesus lays claim to his true identity. The authority that set creation in motion and sustains it, the authority of the risen Christ. It's a pronouncement that helps overcome that doubt that he knew was there. Now hear Jesus saying to them and, and to us, listen up, what I am about to say comes from an authority far greater than any authority of earthly rulers or governments. I'm speaking with the same authority as the one who put the stars in their places, the planets in their orbits, and the intricate order of creation into motion. Pay attention. And then go. Go. It's not a suggestion, mind you. It's a command. It's the imperative tense in Greek. Go. Leave this mountain, he says to them. Go, leave this worship space, he says to us. Go out to a world that needs what you will bring them, that nothing else provides. We go to make disciples of all nations. Make disciples, following the example and teachings of Jesus to come alongside people in their lives, supporting them in their times of need, guiding their choices, their desires, their actions, and hearts so that more and more they conform to the teachings and example of Jesus. And we're sent to go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. This was key in Matthew, I think, because throughout Matthew's gospel, he focuses primarily on the Jewish people. And then earlier in Matthew, when Jesus sent the disciples out in pairs, he sent them to the Jewish people, specifically not to go into Gentile territory. But now, but now the mission is to everyone beyond the Jewish nation. Jesus' grace, mercy, and salvation is for every human being. Jesus says there's no limits. And it's the same for us. There's to be no limits in our making of disciples, no limits in whom we serve and care for and serve with, rich or poor, white, brown, black, Asian, Native American, gay, straight, transgender, young, old, those suffering homelessness, incarcerated individuals, Republicans, Democrats, unaffiliated. You see, all nations means all people, I think. And that's, that's difficult for me and, and probably for most of us because we naturally prefer people with whom we have similarities, whether it's skin color, language, place of origin, what economic status, whatever. That's where we naturally gravitate. But following Jesus means going beyond that, out of our comfort zone. 
And then Jesus continues with a little more specific stuff, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the heart of every aspect of our mission, bringing people into a lifelong and life-changing relationship with God and other followers of Jesus. Not just any relationship, mind you, but relationships that are guided and powered by the Holy Spirit given to us in baptism, characterized by lives that more and more show the love Jesus showed. Earlier this weekend, a little more than 10 members, 10 members were officially from St. John's, but we had other folks that were at the assembly in various roles. Spent the weekend in Greensboro participating in the biannual assembly of the North Carolina Synod. In addition to some tedious and admittedly sometimes boring business items that are important for the functioning of the Synod, we heard amazing stories about the mission and ministry that the Spirit's working throughout our synod, implementing our common mission of making disciples. For instance, Living Waters Lutheran Church on the Cherokee Reservation in the far west of our synod. A small mission congregation, 20 or so people on a Sunday, they have a food pantry that with the support of other friends and congregations, a food pantry that regularly feeds 20,000 people in a four-county area. Small congregation living out their mission by feeding their neighbors. We received a new congregation into the Synod, Christ's beloved community in Winston-Salem, which is a Hispanic ministry that we share with the Episcopal Church. And it was incredible to see 20 of their members up on stage being welcomed joyfully to the, to the Senate officially. We learned how the ministry of the dwelling in Winston-Salem that started as providing showers and some food and support to people suffering homelessness now had a home and built on that ministry, feeding people and worshiping around 200 people on a Sunday. People from that community of homeless pe- people suffering homelessness. We heard from refugee, refugee families and congregation members in three different cities about the life-giving, inspiring work and the relationships that they had developed through Lutheran Services Carolina's New Americans program. Their witness increased my eagerness and excitement for our circle of welcome here at St. John's to be paired with our first family probably later this month. And there are too many other ministries to mention this morning, ministries that we are a part of through mission support, the financial support we send, some foundation grants to specific things, and the participation of members such as Jill Nelson on Synod Council, Pastor James, Caroline Parrott, and Elaine Gerst were elected by the Synod to go attend the church-wide assembly in Phoenix, Arizona in 2025. Yay! They'll really learn about the mission and the ministry that we're a part of there. Go, make disciples, all nations. It directs followers of Jesus outward, 
outward beyond our comfort zones to share the relationship that has transformed our personal lives. Now here at St. John's, we've summarized our specific mission within that as connecting faith and life together. Connecting faith and life together, if you will. And it's founded on five core values that we've identified. Worship and arts, our weekly gathering around word and often sacrament and fellowship to be inspired, to be strengthened, to be sent back out into the mission field. Mercy and justice, to love and care for neighbors near and far, locally and globally. And you can read about some of that in the the devotions that are in the bulletin this week and will be the next few weeks with our Palestinian brothers and sisters. And and hopefully pray for visas for uh, Pastor Munther and the youth there so they can come this summer. Discipleship's the third core value, being intentional about deepening and strengthening our faith through study, conversation, and serving others. Discipleship, just like today, we had the joy of welcoming 11 new folks into discipleship in this journey of faith together. The fourth one is Christian fellowship. We have fun together. Hey, that uh, it's always a good thing to enjoy one another's company and have fun. And the fifth one is stewarding God's resources, managing in faithful ways all that God's entrusted to this congregation, financially, physically, the resources of staff, the resources of volunteers, and stewarding our individual resources, time and talent and treasure so that we can fulfill and expand the reach of God's grace together. It's a daunting mission, no doubt. It's a God-sized mission where it wouldn't be worth taking up. It's a mission that's only possible with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is our mission together in faithful response to the grace and blessings that God showers upon us in our lives. In Galilee, on that mountain. The entire mission of Jesus for those three years was entrusted to just a few. And some of them doubted. Yet Jesus commanded them to go, to go to all nations. Their mission was immense. Their faith was uncertain, but they went and we are here today. We've been called and commissioned also to go and to make disciples. The community out there needs us. Our ministry partners count on us to go from this space and to make disciples of all people, to love our neighbor. Jesus sends us. For followers of Jesus, I think it is, as Yoda said, do or do not. There is no try. It's a big mission, but in the power and with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, let us go and do. Amen.